you are famous with the famous jazz musician, or how many of you are familiar with, rather, the famous jazz musician Louis Armstrong? Anybody ever heard of that guy? He's pretty good. Well, he tells a story of one time when he was young, he went and stayed with his aunt. And uh, he was staying with his aunt during the spring months, and one day she said, Louie, I want you to go down to the water and get me a bucket full of water. And so he grabs a bucket, he sets off to the water, and everything's going good. And he gets down there, and he gets the bucket, and as he's pulling up, he sees two black beady eyes poke up from the water. And he knows what it is immediately. And so he takes off. He leaves the bucket, and he runs back to his aunt. He says, Annie Mae. I had your bucket full of water, I was pulling it up out of the water, and, and, and I saw this alligator, and that thing just scared the life out of me. And she said, Louie, you go back down to that water and you give me that bucket of water. That alligator's been here my whole life, and I guarantee you, he's as scared of you as you are of him. He looked at her and he said, Annie Mae, if that alligator's as scared of me as I am as him, that water ain't fit to drink. That didn't really have anything to do with my sermon, I just thought it was funny. <laughs> We're in our second week in a sermon series discussing the miracles of Jesus and, and what the Bible is really saying when we see a miracle recorded. Because the Bible is saying more than just the miracle we see. Right? We, we think about these miracles, but God is saying something more than just, I can do this really cool thing. Right? The, a miracle is always about more than an action. And a miracle is always about more than the action that we see. When the Bible records something miraculous, we have a tendency to focus on the miracle and say, wow, that was really neat. But a miracle is always about more than the action. It's God's way of saying Hey, make sure you get what I'm about to say, or make sure you get what I just said. Here's how I describe it. A miracle happens for God to reveal himself in order that his commands be obeyed or his teachings learned. You all went to fill that in on your blank, but it's already filled in for you. Surprise. Here's an example. Moses encountered a burning bush. Miracle? Miraculous, yeah, but, but God's purpose isn't saying I'm introducing a new line of flame-repellent plant life. What God's saying there is, Moses, I want you to lead my people out of Egypt. Last week we saw a miracle of a crippled man. We saw a miracle of Jesus healing this crippled man that was lowered through the roof of the house by a friend. But Jesus is saying more than I have the ability to heal sickness. What Jesus is saying is, I have the ability, I have the power, I have the authority to forgive sins. Jesus' miracle was about revealing that He is God in the flesh. So a miracle is always about more than the action. Today I want to talk to you about a time when just like young Louis Armstrong, what was brought wasn't good enough. A time when Jesus has offered to feed 5,000 men plus the women and children and the disciples bring a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish. What was brought wasn't enough. And I want to show you what God does when that happens. 
If you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 30. If you don't have your own Bible, that's all right. I'm going to have all the text we use up here on the screen for you. Um, also, want to call your attention to your bulletin. There's going to be a fill-in-the-blank sermon outline in there that'll help you track with me, take some notes, get down some key concepts. It also keeps me honest. It'll get me out of here within that 30-minute time frame, right? I know there's a limit to what I can say this morning. Last of all, if you don't have a Bible and you want one, I'd be happy to give you one. Once you find me after church, I'll be standing out there in the lobby, and I would love to give you your very own Bible. All right, Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 30. We're going to read the whole text, and then we're going to look more closely at it. So the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour, and they told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves. We'll get a quiet place, and we're going to rest for a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles, they didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And many people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, Jesus, and, and it's getting kind of late. Send the crowds away uh, so they can go to nearby farms and villages and, and get something for them to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. With what? They asked. We'd have to work for, for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. There's too many. How much bread do you have? He asked. Go and find out. And they came back and reported, we've got, we've got five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 and groups of 100. And then Jesus took the five loaves and two fish and looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate so much as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers of bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed on this day. Wow. Right? Wow. That's miraculous. Jesus took five pieces of pita bread and two pan fish, and he fed 15,000 people. Wow. And when we read about a miracle, our natural tendency is to go, wow. But being the disciplined Bible students that you are, you're going, a miracle is always about more than the action, so what is this miracle about? Without looking at your notes, why don't you go ahead and tell me what the purpose of a miracle is? A miracle, very good, you guys all got it. It was just exactly right. A miracle happens for God to reveal himself in order that his commands be obeyed or teachings learned. You guys had it exactly right. So what do we need to learn about God from this miracle? Let's go back to the beginning and we'll find out what God is teaching, what God is revealing about himself as we gain a little bit of context. 
By the way, a good rule for Bible interpretation, understanding what you read in the Bible is context before content. We've got to know what's going on and what Jesus is saying this about. Otherwise, you can make the Bible say anything you want. So, context for this passage. The apostles have returned from their first ministry tour. This is significant. This is significant. This is the first time that they've been out doing ministry on their own. Jesus has sent them out two by two. This is a big deal. They've just come home from doing ministry. And we've all had experiences where we've done something for the first time, something that we've really been looking forward to. Maybe for you is in middle school, and it's the first couple of weeks of shop class, right? And you're sitting there, and you're just so excited, and you're going, I didn't hear anything the professor just said. Uh, when do we get to use the sauce? Right? Maybe, maybe it was shop class for you, and you're just looking forward to the opportunity to do something awesome. Or maybe it was driver's ed. Right? And that, those first few weeks of driver's ed, you're going, listen, I really don't care how many feet I'm supposed to put on my turn signals before I turn. When do I get to put my foot on the gas? The apostles have just returned from their first driving lesson. Their first time out on the road. And Jesus understands that this is an important teaching moment. I don't know what your experience in driver's ed was like. Maybe it was terrifying. Right? Maybe the first time you were out on the road, you didn't check your mirrors closely enough, and you almost swerved into a car, and you heard, and then you had to swerve back over, and you hated driving. Right? Maybe it was a terrifying experience for you, or maybe your first time in driver's ed, you put your pedal to the metal, and you're like, I'm a driver, right? Mario Andretti, right here, I'm going. Either way, it's a valuable teaching moment. Sometimes you need to hear, it's going to be okay. You'll learn, and you'll grow, and you'll get more comfortable. And sometimes you need to hear, it's not going to be okay, never drive like that again. Either way, it's an important teaching moment. So Jesus says, let's get away for a little bit. Let's get a little away for a little bit. We'll go someplace quiet and we'll talk. What does Jesus teach him? First he says, we're going to go away. Now, rest is important. It really is. Jesus knew that. He spent a lot of time uh, going off to quiet places on his own, uh, but that's not what his goal is here. Jesus knows what's going to happen, and he knows that this is going to be a profound teaching moment. So they leave for a boat, and they go into a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving, and people from many towns ran ahead along the shore to get there before them. And Jesus saw the huge crowds as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. This is the first part of Jesus' lesson here. First part of Jesus' lesson. He sees these people, and they're like sheep without a shepherd. Many of you know this. There's nothing more helpless than a sheep. Right? There is nothing more helpless than a sheep. If a sheep doesn't have a shepherd to keep it on track, it's going to get lost, and it's going to do it sooner rather than later. If a sheep doesn't have a shepherd to lead it to green pastures, it's going to starve. And it's going to starve sooner rather than later. There were people in this time that had a responsibility to make sure that these sheep weren't without a shepherd. The religious leaders were tasked with this responsibility. 
But they've been failing the people of Israel. And there was no nourishment for their souls. See, these religious leaders were more concerned with observing Sabbath restrictions and the length of tassels and ceremonial washings that they had forgotten about the people that they were there to serve. They'd forgotten about the people that they were there to nourish. They had forgotten about the people that they were there to lead closer to God. So Jesus sees these people like sheep without a shepherd. No one to tell them how much God loves them and the extraordinary lengths that he's gone to for them. And Jesus has compassion on them and he begins to feed them. You know, we talk about the feeding of the 5,000 when we introduce bread and fish. But the reality is, by the time we get to food, Jesus has already given them a feast. I don't know what Jesus taught them. I don't know what Jesus taught them there, but I hope that he taught them about the beautiful kingdom of God. I hope that he taught them about the kingdom of God where a childlike trust in God is the highest calling. The highest rank goes to the one who trusts God the most and serves the best. I hope he taught him about the kingdom of God where care, God's sovereign care, brings peace. I hope he taught him about the kingdom of God where love is the only law. The kingdom where truth sits on the throne for eternity. The kingdom that Jesus came to usher in kingdom that we're a part of. I hope that Jesus taught him about the kingdom of God. I hope that's what he taught him because that's a message full of hope and purpose. But Jesus taught him. The text says that it was late in the afternoon. It was late in the afternoon. You guys don't like it when I preach 33 minutes instead of 30. It was late in the afternoon. Okay, You done missed lunch. It was late in the afternoon and his disciples came to him and said, Jesus, we're kind of out in the middle of nowhere here. Why don't you send them off and they can go get something to eat? Right? We've we got to send them somewhere where they can get some food. This is practical. right? Does anybody agree this is a practical move? Okay, very good. There's no restaurants around. Nobody's going to deliver out here. Okay? Even if they did, how are you going to get enough food to feed 15,000 people? Do you know how mad the people at Domino's would be if I called right now and said, I'd like to place an order for 4,000 pepperoni and 3,000 cheese? They'd hang up on me. All right? Even if somebody would deliver, they're not going to feed 15,000. This is practical. The disciples say, send them away. Somebody else can take care of it. Jesus says, you feed them. This is not practical. This is not practical at all. There are 5,000 men here plus their families. How, how are we? What, what are we? How could, we can't. With what? They asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. Let me just pause here for a second and make an observation about serving God. Just make a quick observation about serving God. God's vision will always exceed the current provision. God's vision will always exceed the current provision. God's vision was for 15,000 people to be fed. And the disciples very logically say, no food, 
No kitchen, no plates, no napkins, no nothing, Jesus. We got nothing. Get my people out of Mo- or Egypt, Moses. Can't talk. Not welcome there. Just one guy. Killed somebody there. Remember what God told Moses? He said, tell them that I am has sent you. God's vision will always exceed the current provision. That's pretty good, right? I didn't come up with that. Alex Hamaya, he's a preacher in Oklahoma, said that. I just figured I'd credit my source there. God's provision will always exceed, God's vision will always exceed the current provision. Here's why that matters. If we have to see our way through everything that God is asking of us, we'll never do anything that he's called us to. He'll say, you feed them. And we'll respond, well, we're four miles outside of a town of 6,000 people. He'll say, you'll feed them. And we say, we tried that before and it didn't work. He'll say, you feed them. And we'll say, we don't have enough money. He'll say, you feed them. And we'll say, we just don't think we can. I don't understand how that would happen, God. The answer is, I am has sent us to this community. The disciples say, we have to work for months to earn enough money to buy all this food. How much bread do you have? Jesus asks. Notice he doesn't, he doesn't scold anybody. He doesn't chastise anybody. He just says, well, all right, let's work with what we've got here. Let's see what you've got, and we'll make it work. How much bread do you have? Go and find out. Jesus doesn't chastise their lack of faith. This is a teaching moment. This is their teaching moment, the one that he's intended all along. Remember, they just got back from their first session in driver's ed, and and some of them need to be encouraged to, to continue on, and some of them need to be discouraged a little bit so that they don't try to do everything on their own, right? This is the lesson, and what happens? They came back and they reported, all right, Jesus, Here's what we got. We can hold it in one hand. We got five pieces of pita bread and two bluegill. And Jesus says, all right. All right. I think we can do something then. Jesus told the disciples, he said, all right, here's what we're going to do, fellas. You leave, the, you leave the bluegill and the pita bread here, and then you go have the people sit down. Have them sit in groups of 50 or groups of 100, and I'll take care of the rest. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish and he looked up towards heaven and he blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. And he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. And he kept breaking the bread so the disciples could distribute it to the people. And he kept breaking the bread so the disciples could give it to the people. And he kept breaking the bread so the disciples could give it to the people. And he kept breaking the bread so the disciples could give it to the people. Do you get what? I'm saying here I am has sent him and he kept breaking the bread so they could distribute it to the people and he divided the fish for everyone to share and they all ate as much as they wanted and afterwards the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish and 5,000 men and their families were fed on that day here's the lesson are you ready 
God will always use what you bring. God will always use what you bring. So often we say, well, God can't use me. I'm not a talented evangelist like Billy Graham. Or God can't grow this church much more because we're not in a city like Louisville. Or, or I, I can't do that thing like coming to Sunday school because I'm sure I would just say something stupid. Or, or I don't think I can talk to my neighbor about Jesus because I barely know how to read the table of contents in my Bible. Or, or I don't think I can be baptized because I'm too scared. Can I just remind you of something? I am has sent you. And God will always use what you bring. We were reminded of this this last year. Daniel and Christine Shetler, uh, they said... Just really something simple. They said, we want to help the people in Texas after Hurricane Harvey. We said, that's a really good idea. Let's, let's collect some bottled water, and then we'll find somebody who's going down, and we'll, we'll have them take the bottles of water that you guys collected. And Daniel and Christine said, that's cute, but no. All of a sudden... There's semi-trucks parked outside of the church getting filled with supplies to go down to Texas. God's always going to use what you bring. And maybe you're right. You know what? You're probably right. None of us are ever going to be an evangelist as talented and as, as good as Billy Graham. I'm certainly not, okay? And you know what? You're, you know what? You're right. That's, that's probably true. But... But what if we brought our abilities to God because there's a need for a Sunday school teacher? God can feed a lot of people if you bring them what you got. And you know what? You're right. We're never going to be a church the size of Southeast. right? The, the town that we're four miles outside of is a fourth of the size of the people that attend Southeast on Sunday. We're never going to be a church the size of Southeast But we're never going to stop bringing what we've got. Because God can feed a lot of people if we bring them what we got. And you know, maybe you're scared to talk to your neighbor or your coworker or your cousin about Jesus. You just bring the loaves and fish. Maybe you don't know how to explain what Jesus has done for them. But I guarantee you, I guarantee you that each of you has the ability to say church starts at 10.30 and you can sit next to me. You know what, why don't we try that real quick? We're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave some of that. You just pause for a second. Here's what I want you to repeat after me. Okay, ready? Church starts at 10.30 and you can sit next to me. Ready? Three, two, one. Church starts at 10.30 and you can sit next to me. You're hired! That was fantastic. Great job, everyone. God can feed a lot of people if we just bring them what we got. God can feed a lot of people if we just bring them what we got. So can I, can I suggest something for us today? Let's forget what's impossible and see what's possible. 
Just forget what's impossible and see what's possible. Why? Because I am has sent us to this community. Well, Tony, how long do you want the church to grow? It's a bigger church now than it was a few years ago. How long do you want the church to grow? When do you think when do you think it's logical for the church to stop growing? I want the church to grow as long as there are people who haven't been fed. As long as there are people who haven't heard that Jesus forgives sins, as long as there are people in our communities that haven't been baptized for the forgiveness of their sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit, that's how long I want the church to grow. Let's forget what's impossible and see what's possible. Here's what I believe with all my heart. God can feed a lot of people if we bring them what we got. I'm not talking about your money. I talked about that last month. I'm so past that. I'm not talking about your money. I'm talking about your time. I'm talking about your talents. I'm talking about your wisdom, your youthfulness, your age, your home, your service, your compassion, your love. God can use that, and I know it's true. I know it's true because he is using what you've brought. And I couldn't be more joyful to be a part of this congregation and the work that this congregation is doing in our communities. Let's just keep doing it, knowing that I am has sent us. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. Now, now picture this with me. Jesus gives the apostles fish and bread, and they go and distribute it. And then they come back to him, and he gives them fish and bread, and, and then they go and distribute it. And then he comes back to him, and then they go and distribute it, right? I don't have much more energy, so hopefully you don't need me to illustrate that anymore. I'm tired. But they keep going back to Jesus, and he keeps giving them what they need to keep doing the work. I mean, we have a responsibility to return to Jesus, too to keep coming back to him over and over again. We call it prayer. And it's something we take seriously here. Our responsibility to return to Jesus over and over again. Do you know what the most important part of the worship practice is on Sunday morning? It's the time we spend in prayer together. Did you know that, um, did you know that if you write a prayer request on your connection card, to get prayed for. There isn't one that falls through the crack. There isn't one that gets missed. If you write a prayer request in your connection card, it gets prayed for. Do you know that if you're a member or a regular attender here at Mount Tabor, there's an elder who prays for you every day? Every day. Do you know that there is a group of people that's committed to praying for our Easter service every day until that time rolls around? Do you know that Ben Carter is leading a group of people who are going to pray for our Easter service on Sunday morning before the services and during the services? Prayer is something we take seriously here. Here's why. Here's why. We believe in prayer because we believe in who we're praying to. We believe in prayer because we believe in who we're praying to. You know, it would be really neat um, 
It'd be really, really great to, to, to just grow a church and, and have a whole bunch of people come here. But if it wasn't founded on prayer, if it wasn't built on prayer, if it wasn't girded up with prayer, it wouldn't be worth anything. See, I think one of the things that we have to understand here is that before Jesus broke any bread, before Jesus fed anybody, he prayed. That's the example that we follow too. We pray. We believe in prayer because we believe in who we're praying to. Who are we praying to? I am. And when we're done praying, we say with conviction, I am has sent me. You know, it's interesting that there's no record of the crowd responding amazed to this miracle. There's no record of the crowd going, wow, did you guys see that? There's no record of that here. And that's an important theme in, in the Gospel of Mark. Every time Jesus performs a miracle, Mark specifically records the way that the audience responds. Think back to our sermon last week. Jesus heals the, uh, the, the crippled man, and the man jumps up, he grabs his mat, and he walks out through the stunned onlookers, and they were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Mark mentions how people respond to Jesus' miracles. But we don't see any of that here. Why not? The crowd didn't know where the food came from. The apostles sure did. This was their lesson. I am has sent you. This was their lesson. God will always use what you bring. And this is the lesson for everybody who serves in the kingdom of God. I am has sent you. And he will always use what you bring. That's the thing that I want us to remember. And what I really want to make sure that we accomplish today is prayer. Prayer. So that we can leave as people who are sent by I am. So would you pray with me this morning? God, you are God and you are king. You are master of the universe and Lord of all creation. You uphold all things by your powerful word. And we are privileged now to be in your presence. We're also your children, and we are comfortable in your presence. So we come humbly, but we also come full of love because you are our Father. And so, God, I pray that now, as, as we, as a congregation, uh, sing to you and lift up praise to your name, and eventually, here in a few minutes, we get ready to go. Uh, into the places that we go, to the communities that we go to when we leave here. God, I pray that you would give us a conviction that you have sent us. God, would you give us the wisdom and the strength to be your ambassadors to our communities. 
If people uh, need to be invited to church, God, would you give us eyes to see them and eyes to invite them? If people need to hear about God's love, would you give us your words to share? If people need encouraged, would you encourage them through us? If people need help, would you help them through us? Not for our sake, but for yours. God, I guess our prayer is this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray this in the name of our Savior Jesus. Amen.